Yeah, and I know, wouldn't say often people just about the money, and they're going to say, "Well, of course, Chris, you run the show. You you want us to produce as much as you can," which. I mean, it's true. You'd be mm-hmm. stupid if that wasn't the case. However, it's also about building a business that has scale. As you get a bigger business, as you get more scale, you're going to learn more stuff. Like you're going to m- learn more about delegation. How do you manage those, the multiple crews? How do you manage the timelines? How do you, so it doesn't, yes, it comes with more money, but also comes with a whole bunch of additional lessons and learnings that I think will will bode well in your future career. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I have a incredible special guest to launch off year five of the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. His name is uh, Bruce Hodges, and Bruce Hodges has had an incredible career starting the banking industry. He had a early exit, started a business, and just just in the dot com craze for three years. You know, just uh, crushed an exit. Then he got involved in twenty years as CIO. Uh, COO, CEO in a bunch of insurance companies, literally uh, across the world, Asia, Europe, Italy, Thailand, and just had an incredible career in that space. And then he chose to come home for a bunch of family and personal reasons. And just two years ago, started a business called Parachute, which is in the managing uh, or trying to find a different way through the predatory lending uh, space. And they are working with certain people who find themselves in the wrong side of uh, cash flow problems and debt and trying to educate them and create better strategies for them to exit uh, successfully that situation while also creating a business around it. And Bruce has some personal experience that he'll share in the podcast around some some challenging situations early in his career that literally impacted him all his life and what a big reason why Parachute is so purposeful. Um, interesting, uh, Parachute was a huge part of an international case compos- competition based out of Laurier. So operators and listeners will will good chance know of uh, Parachute because they participated there. So I think you're going to love this podcast. Bruce is really up to stuff in the world, incredibly hardworking, committed, persistent, and focused uh, entrepreneur and leader. Really, really excited to have him. It took me a whole number of years to uh, for me to persist and uh, work on getting Bruce here to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Why are we doing this? To attract other people and other, other amazing leaders like Bruce to our program. So if you know anybody who wants to hear about leadership and entrepreneurship and leadership at the highest levels in the world, uh, please send them this podcast. You can send them my email, cthompson at studentworks.com, or direct them directly to studentworks.com to hear about an amazing leadership program. Thanks so much. Have an unbelievably fantastic day. Welcome, Bruce. Uh, So excited to have you on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, we were just reminiscing about, obviously, the decades ago that you were involved in our program and a top performer out of Barrie, Ontario. 
I know this is kind of difficult, but just thinking back, who was Bruce Hodges before the program? Boy, that's a great question. So born and raised in Barrie, went to school at Laurier. Always knew I wanted to do some entrepreneurial stuff. We'll probably get into that. I'd run a small business starting in grade eight, doing lawn cutting and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in many ways, a shy kid, but in many ways, some people think I'm extroverted as well. And that was the case then. So had an aptitude and desire to do business. Didn't know what I didn't know, like everybody else. And yeah. uh, was was in business school. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of my history and what made me into the person and career that I have today. What do you still use from your time at StudentWorks? Anything still sort of resonating? I know you were right on time for our call. Um, <laughs> your integrity's oh, intact. Your integrity's in line. Oh, didn't, didn't learn anything at all. No, actually, next question. <laughs> um, tons of stuff, Chris. I mean, you know, I started to actually make a couple, a bit of a list anticipating the, the call. And, you know, I think I could run through a list like planning skills, obviously paramount, um, presentation skills and that'll be something that'll come back uh through the discussion i think um people management absolutely indispensable i mean i've hired i don't know how many people thousands fired not thousands but a lot those skills you know those are indispensable at an early age financial management absolutely critical marketing i mean you could go on and on and on those are the cornerstones of building and running any business be it a corporation or or a startup and the one I said I would kind of highlight is the presentation skills. I think that's probably one of the key ones that served me very well throughout my career. I, at Laurier, I did a course called Interpersonal Management at the time. It's called Something Different Now. But those presentation skills and the ability to be comfortable in front of customers and staff, et cetera, is something that I draw on like constantly. Yeah. And it's the reps. I, I remember us talking about your your multiple seasons with us being really successful. And, and then it's just all the all the client presentations you do. It just makes all the difference and kind of limiting and lessening. I, I maybe never, ever completely lessening, but just that fear of speaking in front of people. Right. Like it's just it's just key. It just being your best. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You said you just came off the January training. I I absolutely hate role playing. Okay. But it's necessary um i'm sure you do it and it's yes we do yeah and until people get out in the field and you've got to learn you know objection handling and all that kind of stuff so it's it's key but yeah i mean and now they're in the phase of of actually doing presentations and you know we'll get into that and the things that make you successful and just doing it it's an overused cliche but you know you're not gonna you're not gonna perfect the skill till you get out there talking to people and you know some of the pitches aren't going to go well. And, yeah. you know, that's probably more valuable than some of the ones that do go well. Anyway, we're, yeah, we're digressing on the presentation skill, but all of those elements are absolutely paramount. And, you know, it, now student works was called student painters. Then it's, yeah. uh, it's where I cut my teeth on, on all of these things. So let's jump out of student, student painters or student works, you know, where did Bruce go next? Uh, you know, career path. I know it's a lengthy one. I already sort of said, we're going to have to chunk it. But but what stands out for you? And and remember, we're really sort of speaking to, you know, group of people, you know, late teens, early 20s, mid 20s. Hey, what's next for me? What should I think of? Your path is, you know, has been a winning one and a lengthy one. And that's actually what most people's success path has been, as, as you know, and I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I think I've taken a bit of an unconventional path. I mean, I'll try and go through it and not take up the entire time on my 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 journey of my career but so 
you know, after student works, we'll, and we'll talk about that. I, I, I did another uh, startup in painting after. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, finished university and and didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, did all the usual applications to P&G, Procter & Gamble, and some of the others, and, and ended up joining TD as a teller in the basement of a bank branch to sort of make ends meet, knew nothing about banking, sort of fell in love with banking, did my securities license, my GMAT, started my MBA, and worked my way up teller, personal lender, commercial lender, uh, then product manager uh, for Royal Bank, and then ultimately product manager for Canada Trust at about a $4 billion credit portfolio. So came up through the ranks. Interesting theme, though, related to the entrepreneurial side. So back in, you know, as part of my MBA, I did both at Laurier. So I did self-study credits and launched some products uh, for okay. TD. And then wrote to the guy in head office I knew and said, you know, we should really be in the automotive financing business. And he said, well, actually, we're about to launch it. So I was assistant manager in the Brantford branch, full of vim and vigor, hooked up the first nine dealers. And it was an absolute disaster. Oh, it was wow. a disaster because it, was, it took off volume wise. And so it was off the chart successful. So why do I mention this? So I had an idea for an electronic exchange that would take credit applications, decision them and serve them back to auto dealers. Internet didn't exist at this time for all the youngins on, on the call. And uh, roll forward when I was product manager at RBC Insurance, tried to get the rights to a U.S. software package for Canada, failed. Roll forward to when I was at Canada Trust and I was at a conference, your stereotypical conference in a hotel with a white tablecloth, round table, and do you want the chicken or, or beef? And met this guy beside me, entrepreneur, and I said, somebody should take this idea and run with it. And he said, well, actually, I have the technology. And I left my banking job and joined him to build that technology out and take it to market. It was a 20-person startup. I got the technology sold to a U.S. company, uh, National Bank in Canada, and then got the whole company sold to a publicly traded entity called Microforum, wow. which was one of the, the dot-coms uh, for those that, I mean, everybody on the call won't have experienced the dot-com except for you, Chris, and me, yes. <laughs> and read about it. Um, but got it, did the, did the roadshow to raise money, um, bought and some additional companies and bolted them together. And, uh, and then the dot-com was about to melt down and I was recruited into Manulife to drive e-commerce strategy. I was teaching Aloria as well. Well, let's let's pause there. So tell me about that experience. Like, like that must have been like just that was a, a whirlwind of of energy and excitement. And did you smell the end of it? Or was it just fortunate that you guys got out at the right time? Yeah, we were so the company we bought a few other assets and I put some Ford credit globally. It was my last deal. It was a big deal. And you can see the end coming. The dot-com craze had a lot of acquisitions that didn't make sense, didn't bolt together well. You could see it coming. So I read the tea leaves and it was just time to go. Mm -hmm. I, I thought, you know, I, I thought I'll go hang out in insurance for what will be a couple of years and then I'll come back and do more entrepreneurial stuff. And it became 20 years of insurance, living in seven countries um, and working in dozens. So I was a CIO, a COO, a CEO across multiple financial services firms, lived three years in Japan, three years in Thailand, three years in Hong Kong, one in Malaysia, three in the Netherlands, and three in Italy. Um, but then worked, those were regional roles. So worked in in dozens and dozens of countries. So that's a phase, you know, we can summarize that in, in 20 years, then came back to Canada. Well, well, then hold on, hold on. Let's stop there. Yeah. Scott Galloway, uh, someone I listen to and read, he says the best risk adjusted way to be financially successful in life is, you know, corporate America. So there's, you know, it's 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 like there's just not that much risk. Clearly, you had a lot of success. 
what are the pros and cons to that versus entrepreneurialism and launching your own thing and taking the risks of, of that? Great question. We'll come back to this because you're going to get into what am I doing now? And it ties back to, you know, after student works, I tried to set up another franchise with another company and failed and I declared personal bankruptcy. And we'll talk yes. about that. Which yeah. was a bad choice, a bad decision. We can unpack that a little bit. I've only started talking about that in the last year publicly. I think mm. I talked to you. We met for yes, dinner with privately. So that's going to overshadow some of my in and out of corporate. Because I think I was a little bit more risk averse because of that. And we can talk about that in the lessons learned. But the entrepreneurial skill set, even if you decide you want to be in corporate, will serve you well. So, you know, there's a lot of people that do, I think, exactly sort of as you described, that it's a safe place. It's a comfortable place. You know, that's great if you want to build a steady eddy career. If you're going to break out of that, I think you need to do those same things that will bode well for you in the startup world. You can do it with a little bit less risk, but more and more, there's more risk in the corporate world as well. Like when I came out of university, people actually thought I was unusual for moving around to the different institutions I did. And I did move a lot. Then it was kind of actually looked down on. Now people have short-term stints with regular frequency and nobody thinks twice about it. So I think those entrepreneurial skills will serve you even better. A funny, funny story. When I left, I actually left TD Bank. I'd applied for a product manager job, your job, and they said you're actually the the perfect person for the job, but we can't, we can't justify jumping you three levels to that role, um, even though you're perfect. And I was like, okay, I'm out of here. And <laughs> I was, uh, I was actually camping with a bunch of buddies, and I was reading the newspaper. I'd published some research for the Canadian Bankers Association on deregulation of insurance. I was reading the paper, and there's a product manager job in insurance. And these guys were screwing around, and they dumped a big pot of water on my head, <laughs> and I got the paper got wet. So I folded it up and tucked it under my buddy's Jeep seat, front seat. But three weeks later, I went, oh, shit, I, f- I forgot it. And I went down, ran downstairs, got it, called the RBC Insurance, and they said, okay, well, it sounds like after talking to them, you have a great profile. You know, send us your CV, we'll keep it on file. Next day, I took the day off and I showed up. And she's like, oh, great. Uh, just give me your CV. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not crazy, but I will wait. So I expected at some point someone's not going to show up or the hiring person will have extra time or whatever. I will wait here in the lobby. And if she'll see me, great. If not, I totally get it. Anyway, I got the job. This is the long yes, story. Is exactly. Punch yes. Telling you all that. That is a skill set that'll weave through everything we talk about, whether it's the fact I lived in all those countries or any number of these things. This is a skill set that most people don't develop. Yeah. Um, whether it's in their personal life, in terms of you know meeting their their partner or uh, you know finding that next client in the student works for your or your first client when you're nervous as hell that you're you know going to get rejected or who who is it and. Um, but that will bode well throughout your entire career, no matter what you do. And I think that is so underutilized. And when I talk to students all the time, it's the same thing, like figure out the segment you want to go in, just start calling people off LinkedIn. Everybody wants to tell their story. I mean, that skill set will, will do wonders for you in everything from meeting your significant others to closing your first painting deal. Yeah, no, it's so true. One of our alumni, Jason Lewis, I'm not sure if he if you connected with him back through your time. But Jason, Jason was saying, if you're in this program, just start calling VPs of sales and marketing. If you want a role, they'll recruit you like cut through the HR. Just just take take it right to the people who who know you're going to show up 
It's just a, a different way of being. So you've had this incredible success in the in the Far East. What eventually had you come come back to Canada? Was that more personal or or? Yeah, so probably three things. I mean, we had a, a significant. I was COO for Generali, which is like seventy billion in premium, sixty countries. Great gig, but we had a regime change at the top of the house, and sometimes that doesn't end well. And I was right. like, I'm. I I was. They assured me that they wanted me to stay and blah blah blah, but I wasn't sure that it was going to bode well. I had a son who was in grade 11 and would have had to start the IB program, which meant we would have had to stay put for a couple of years. And I had parents, one with Alzheimer's and one's dementia in Canada. Um, and my brother was here, kind of would have ended up taking care of them on his own. So for a whole host of reasons, came back to Canada. Uh, right or wrong, that's the decision we made. The expat yeah. gig is a great one. And so we landed back in Canada. And I mm -hmm. did uh, two corporate stints, one, one with Forrester's, one with CIBC. Neither were perfect, perfect fits. And then um, started incubating with Highline Beta, which is a venture studio. And I went in as a founder in residence. Um, they provide a tech, like a, a CIO, a head of acquisition, a designer. And basically we just started hacking away to, to tackle ideas. And uh, I started in the payday lending space, ultimately ended in what we brought more broadly call or regulators in the government call the predatory lending space. And now we um, we're trying to shake that up. So I worked with them from August 21 to end of November, did the final pitch to them. They agreed to fund us and back us. Uh, we incorporated January 3rd, 2022, and the rest is history. So January 3rd, 2022. So we're basically one year into uh, Parachute. So two, yeah, two, two and a bit, almost. I'll be two and a bit. three from incubating before I know it. But yeah, okay. so two. Is under our belt, and so so just just to just for me, um, so so all that time was 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 spent, um, you know, you incubating this idea with other super smart people. Yeah. So yeah. So they, I brought in a bit of a team as well as okay. well as the people in the studio, and yeah, just connected with a million people in industry, and you know, we set up mock sites. Uh, so I, I would then call customers, interview customers, uh, try and find what is that value prop, uh, best, you know, how are we going to communicate them? We moved off of the, the payday lending space to the broader space because the payday space was just really broken and, and a little too hard to fix at this juncture. I think we can fix it longer term without getting too much into details, but, and then, you know, job one, uh, January 3rd, 2022 set up three streams essentially one was to get us a funding source okay. uh, we got a 10 in line of credit in place very quick which a lot of people are surprised by job two was to get our tech stack set up so lending platform and behavior change which we got up in three four months and the third piece uh, was to do a, a raise so we wanted to raise half a million dollars of seed capital we raised 658 on uh, the target of 500 so quite good and then we got the doors open by june uh, started acquiring customers, uh, planned to do half a million of, of lending between then and the end of the year. And we hit 485 and then turned off the tap and went out to raise money again. So again, back to that, you know, presentation skills slash calling people, all those things back from the student works days. I mean, my God, I use those constantly. I've pitched hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. Um, if you've got to be ready to ask for money, you got to be ready to ask for the yes. deal, got to be ready to deal with objections and so on. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I was one, one course of my life, we went and raised a, a million dollars for, for a business. And, and I remember just, just in, in some ways, when you're selling something that's yours, that you're creating, it's even more personal. Like, it's like, oh, here's my paint job, or here's this, it seems a little bit over here. That uh, was, was more challenging. And then you just got to get over it, right, Bruce, and just, just uh, pitch somebody else. And, you know, it's just how many doors I'm knocking on. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, if I think back, you know, I think I opened the franchise in Barrie and Barrie's a small place and yeah. my family was, you know, multi-generational Barrie. Everybody knows you out there pitching people that know your family. That that's yeah. not simple. I mean, now I'm taking money on the, on the venture side from all sorts of people in my network, yeah. still not super comfortable. Like it, it never, it never fully goes away, but you just, I have to do it. Similarly, wait till your first job with a someone who knows your family doesn't go perfectly smoothly. Yeah, it's I promise you, it's going to happen. Right? Stuff goes wrong. Um, yeah. So uh, you just have to kind of get used to that. And so, so tell us about parachute. What's the purpose? What's the vision? You know, what's the opportunity? Yep. So parachute is to tackle the predatory lending industry. I don't know if you've ever or the listeners will have ever known an easy or or fair stone. Or money mark cash money pay today. Actually, yes. the Laurier students will will know it because any first year Laurier students, sixteen hundred of them competed on the parachute case this year. Last year they used it for the international case competition. So eighteen teams flew in from around the world. Little plug for Laurier, it's great. Well done. Um, yes, we're always loving to plug Laurier. Yes. You'll see, I have <laughs> about eight hundred and fifty thousand Laurier connections on my LinkedIn now. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so parachutes tackling what we call the predatory lending industry. If you borrow from a payday lender, it works out to be about 400% on an annualized interest basis. And the high interest lenders, Easy and Fairstone, go up to 47%, as well as other products that make it even worse. So we basically bring uh, bring consumers in in a certain credit score band, coach them, uh, consolidate their debt, save them a bunch of money, and then coach them back to good financial health. So it's a new category. I mean, we could get into a discussion of category design and so on. We call it FinCare, financial care. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to shake up this multi-billion dollar industry that has eye-watering amounts of profit. And the consumers that get in this situation are stuck treading water for decades and they just can't get it. So, you know, it's a bit of a perfect storm. There's, there's a couple major companies um, in the financial crisis, a whole bunch of companies left. These guys are charging what they can legally because they can, you know, easy, easy, publicly traded. You can look them up. I think they have like a 27% return on capital, uh, very profitable. We just think there's a better model out there that uh, can take into account how to get people back to good financial health. Hey, leaders, I hope you are enjoying this podcast. As we approach and surpass 300 episodes, well over 95% of the leaders that we have interviewed have been alumni of the Student Works Management Program. It has been an honor to participate in their development over the years. Starting now and only for the fall months, we will be on campus at universities and colleges in Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in being a leader in our program or know someone who does, please go to the show notes and hit Student Works and get sent to a landing page to apply. 
There is a bold student works that you can hit to go to a landing page to apply. Thanks so much. Back to the show. Maybe uh, are, are you willing to share sort of your personal history with that to sort of connect yeah, why this really means, why this really means something for you? A hundred percent. And so I did, you know, I had two great successful years in student works. Then I was district manager of Manitoba. And then I was basically supposed to graduate or I did graduate and I was supposed to go travel. And in fact, my brother even bought me the ticket as a graduation gift. And I cashed in the ticket and decided to start a new franchise with another competitor or someone who desired to be a competitor and it failed. And uh, stupidly, I was given the advice. There was a franchise agreement in place. The advice I was given, the only way to get out of it was to declare bankruptcy. Uh, there was no consumer proposal legislation at the time. And I just sort of said, fuck it and, and did it. And it was absolutely wrong. I couldn't, it was, I couldn't negotiate it out of it. I could have earned it back. There's a whole bunch yeah. of things I could have done. The gist at the time was, yeah, it's on your credit record for seven years and then it disappears. The reality is it never disappears. You can do a public record search. Yes. In fact, we send customers today. And it was something I was ashamed and embarrassed about. It came back to haunt me in many cases. Yeah. I was CEO of ING Malaysia. My approval had to be gazetted with the prime minister because of a bankruptcy 23 years earlier. It yeah. was just bad advice, but it did, you know, as fate would have it, it, it had me focused on this issue, this element since 1990. So that is the cornerstone of what we're trying to do at Parachute. I think you know, that there's the credit counseling industry, which is selling consumer proposals and trustees are selling consumer proposals. There's nowhere for consumers to go. Yeah. So I'm capitalizing on that founder story, my own personal experience. And now it's very public. I, about a year ago, I started telling the story. It took me a bit to get up that hill. Um, yes, and it's hard. Like even, you know, Highline's our biggest backer. They didn't know my team. They didn't know. They all sort of look at it and they're like, yeah, man, like it's, it, it's almost 30 years ago. Um, yeah. It's not a big deal, but for me, it was a big deal. And, and, yeah. you know, it, it weaves through my entrepreneurial story. I, I probably would have done more entrepreneurial stuff. And that's probably why I, I did more of the corporate pieces that I did um, because of that, you know, fear of failure or risk of failure, which is another thing I think people need to think about and get comfortable with. I'm back in the same situation, like 90 plus percent of startups fail. Yes. I have friends, family and everybody invested in it. Most of them, you know, they can all afford it, of course, um, yeah. but they all and they know it. But it also weighs on your mind. And I think you need to have that enough of a balance that you do. I don't want to say fear the failure, but you're very cognizant of the potential to fail because yes. that will fuel you to succeed. Uh, but it needs to be in balance. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I, like, I can only imagine that there's, uh, you know, again, just kind of shame comes up when, when that happens, right? And, and, and again, it's not right because young Bruce wasn't coached well. And that's all it was like, it's so unfair, meaning like um, my father was a litigator that wouldn't have happened to young Chris. Cause, cause dad would no, you're not doing that. Uh, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's just, it's just those, those things that are unfair, you know, Bruce, smart, hardworking young guy, got himself in a bad situation. How do we resolve it? Not knowing, not getting the right proper legal advice. And that's how people get hurt in our economy. Right. And so it's just, it's really, it yeah. comes right from the raw roots, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, you know, one of the things I think it's important to talk about that failure. The other is, you know, when you're facing failure, there's always multiple solutions. And yes. you know, don't pack, don't panic. 
you know, take a little bit of a step back into breath, get some advice, get some multiple points of advice. It's another thing in terms of the entrepreneurial journey is like, there's always a solution to pretty much everything. And, and negotiation, you know, that's probably where I failed to negotiate because I couldn't negotiate. It was like $15,000 net or something stupid yeah, like that. Exactly. Like, yeah. oh my God, I'd pay, I'd pay that over uh, 10 times, 100 times over now. It's yeah. good to make it away. There's no bad lessons in life, really, right? I mean, yeah. they all yeah. shape who you are and what you do. But I think it's a good for this group. I mean, stuff's going to go wrong. I yeah. like a lot of stuff's going to go wrong. And a lot of stuff's going to go wrong. You need to figure, yeah, it, it absolutely. I mean, I can tell you uh, lots of stories. I still remember of my student works days and, and half of it is how you recover for it. 99% of it's how you recover from it. You will, you know, you need to try and prevent as many failures as you can, but there's going to be days where you're cleaning paint off cars or off shingles or um, people aren't paying you, or, I mean, there's all, all the things I'm sure you, you train all the stuff and talk that happens, all the stuff that happens. And I tell you it to this day, I can fix any painting mistake that anybody can create. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've re blacktop driveways. I've polished cars. I've done lots of stuff. I'm not suggesting that you no. even take this path, but it does happen. Um, but yeah, that troubleshooting, being able to deal with adversity and troubleshooting is absolutely critical. Yeah. One of the things I found, Bruce, over the years is, is that there's not an entrepreneur that you know that doesn't have a, a story of a brush with death, et cetera. You know, just to share, just because you've shared, never shared this on the podcast before. We ran, we started a business in the United States doing over a million dollars. My two partners, one ended up running a billion dollar piece of uh, of uh, business with Home Depot and others running a hundred million dollar business. So two really successful guys. We lost our visa. I'm a quarter million dollars in debt running this business. And I did a proposal. So, so we ended up going to banks, had someone coach me. I thought I was going to have to go bankrupt. A buddy of mine said, no, no, no. Here's what you can do. We went and did it. We paid off 25% of the, the loans that we had. Didn't go personally bankrupt. It sort of hung around for a period of time and we moved on. And so one, I, I'm, I'm someone on the right side of that went and said, got good advice, did the right thing, yep. walked out of it. I love what you're working on, you know, and again, it makes the world a better place when, you know, people like, and like you said, are doing the right thing for the whole market where again, predatory lending is, is no, just doing the right thing for, for investors is, is my, what I make up about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody on the call and everybody has makes their ethical choices. Yes. You know, I, I think for me, it's super important now to have purpose at the core of what we're doing. I mean, hard to build that in a painting business. I mean, yeah. although you still do some charity stuff with your teams and and yeah. and, and use those team building initiatives as giving back and you could volunteer in food banks as a team or things like that just to build that team element so you can still do it. But I think as you, as all of the people listening to the podcast need to think about, you know, what's important to you as you, as you take those jobs as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I did, a, a when I came back to Canada, I wanted to put more purpose into what we're doing. And this is, unbelievably purpose-driven. Obviously, we've got to balance making profit, making return for our shareholders. Yes. I think there's ways that we can do that and improve on that. And I think, you know, if everybody or a good chunk of people come out of the student works program and then use that power for good and figure out how can you bridge the two, I think you can have a very fulfilling career. It could be entrepreneurial, it could be corporate, um, whatever that path may be. I still, even if 
I wanted to do a full corporate career, the things I would pull from the student works experience would be outstanding off the charts. So I think, you know, it's it's going to put you in a good standing no matter what you're doing. Startup, you know, 50s, you know, how are you coping with 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 that aspect of doing a startup, Bruce? Yeah, I think the one thing I've never learned is work-life balance. So I may sound a bit old school also for some of the folks on the call. I know millennial, everyone talks about how millennials and Gen Zs think different. Open to challenge on this. You're not going to work nine to five and and build a successful startup. You're just not. You're not. I'm going to tell you, I would say you're also not going to build a successful corporate career. So you can say I'm old school. You say I don't know what I'm talking about. You can say the world's a different place. And you can ponder that outside of your nine to five hours at your mediocre salary that you're not happy with. So the reality story, that's a bit brutal and blunt, but I think, you know, the pendulum swung really far in COVID and work from home and work-life balance and all that kind of stuff. The pendulum swinging back. Um, I think you need to ask yourself, do you have what it takes? And I think that is, you know, on the other, on the opposite side of work-life balance, you know, it, you can get there as you get older. I, in your 50s, yeah, some people would say you're an idiot. Why aren't you just sitting back and or take, you know, one more EVP job or SVP job and work for three, four, five years and and then hang it up? I just don't want to do that. And uh, I want to keep using all these skills I've learned in different ways. That's not for everybody because I do like in the startup land, I work evenings, weekends, I work 24-7. I'm on, on all the time. And yeah. It's even harder in a startup, and and you guys will feel that in in your student works businesses. Your output is is you know you got to be smart about it, but your output is arguably significantly a function of the effort you put into it. Yeah. So yes, you want to optimize that, and you want to be more efficient, and you don't want to do stupid work. But by the same token, your smart work, if you're working smart, it's again a multiple of how much effort you put in. So yeah. you don't want to do cold calls. Right. Don't do them. Have the balance. Go to the beach. Hang out with your friends. But I promise you, you're not going to be in the on the trip or the top, other top thing. Forward trip. Had, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And you're you'll get more efficient. You'll get smarter over time. You'll learn more. Some people might say they've figured it out and they'll they'll make their balance and they'll only do 100, 150, whatever it is to make what they need. That's and you know for some people that's fine. But if you want to be top of the pack, you better be prepared that it's going to consume a lot of your time. For me, I don't have any regrets, but it really depends on the individual. Yeah. No, I think I, we we teach the same thing. You know, again, people sort of uh, just just the intensity and the commitment. And then you get you're way more likely to have the oh, wow, I can afford a trip. I can afford this. I can afford that. I can be generous in these areas. And then that's the the price you pay. And then, you know, the price we pay for, I know, spending a bunch more time on our couch, maybe smoking some weed, not working as hard is, hey, I don't have that job. I don't like that job. I'm more likely to be in a complaining attitude and not really happy with the world. That's that's kind of the the, the world. And, and of course, all sorts of people get to figure that out. But Bruce, we are about what you're about. So, you know, and we're, yeah. we're, you know, pounding the table. This is this. And I always like to say, you know, people in our organization are just uh, are born with bigger engines and we don't know how to turn them off. And and uh, that's that's what it is. And, and I can tell when you're really excited about something that it's really fun. Right. And you're obviously that's what what's what's going on. Yeah. And you know, I wouldn't say often people just about the money and they're going to say, well, of course, Chris, you run the show. You you want us to produce as much as you can, which. I mean, it's true. You'd be mm-hmm. stupid if that wasn't the case. However, it's also about building a business that has scale. As you get a bigger business, as you get more scale, you're going to learn more stuff. Like you're going to mo- learn more about delegation. How do you manage those, the multiple crews? How do you manage the timelines? How do you? So 
it doesn't, yes, it comes with more money, but also comes with a whole bunch of additional lessons and learnings that I think will, will bode well in your future career. No, for sure. And that's really the, that, that that's really, and again, why we're so grateful for people like yourself to come on and share the the connection. Cause really it's yes, we're, we are just doing a whole lot of business. We don't need to do this much business to do incredibly well for the Thompson family. So, so we're covered. It's really about what does this mean that people can create in the future? You know, so, so that's, that's kind of what we're, we're always showing and trying to connect the links and, and, and also as well, just, we've got a lot of, a lot of issues in the world, um, uh, you know, environmental AI, you know, predatory lending, a lot of things in the world. And well, we've got people going and trying to attack it and find healthier, better ways to, to, to have the world operate. This is a good thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So and this, this is the training ground. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so how did you know that entrepreneurialism was for you? Yeah. Funny question. You know, I did grade eight. I had a, a business. I had an answering machine. People won't even know what an answering machine is now. There's no voicemail then. This would resonate with you, Chris. I, I had business cards printed, um, which back in that day, this is, so this would be, um, what would this be? 1985, 1984. So it's a while ago yeah. for those wanting to do the math. So there was that element and that just, I just had this natural inclination and propensity to do that. I also did like fundraising stuff. And I remember being super competitive, like I won a VCR. And another thing they won't understand what a VCR is, but I won a VCR because I was top in the, this fundraising thing for the high school my brother went to. I wasn't even in high school yet. And I was doing fundraising to help him. And I won the competition kind of thing. So there's always this drive to achieve because so yeah. I don't know those psychology majors you can try and unpack that but yeah so it was just that that drive and 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 to do it just because and I think you know that that's now the thing I I look at the the space we're going after the predatory lending space and say well somebody's got to do it who's mm -hmm. got the skills who's got the wherewithal and you know it's a challenge there to be done will I will I succeed I don't know I hope so and that was the same thing in whether I was running a lawn care business or competing to sell winter carnival tickets where I won the VCR. I mean, pick your, pick your spot. When you think about, you know, the process to becoming a leader, what sort of things did you need to improve about yourself, gain access to wisdom that was really important in that journey, Bruce? You know, I think some of the things I talked about in terms of, you know, well, I guess what is a, what is a good leader? I mean, you, you have to have that never, never give up kind of mentality Right. Um, and there will be some times when it's it it dawns on you that maybe you should give up. And but I think you need that never give up. And we talked about there's always a solution. So try and dig deep and and try and not get angry and frustrated. Otherwise, that'll put the blinders on and step back and take a breath and think of what are the solutions. Those are a couple of the key uh, leadership things, I think, that are, are super important. Yeah, those are I mean, and, and you know, I'm going to a bias now with some for the longer term, people can think about what purpose can they put in the core, not purpose, just because I think it's a good thing to do. But if you have purpose at the core, it gives you that motivation to succeed as much as anything else does. Yeah. And so I know we've we've covered some, you know, uh, obviously a huge setback that's really defined a lot of your career. But what about how do you look at mistakes slash failures? Yeah, that 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 one I would sort of set aside as as other things. I wouldn't say I'm generally great at failure, um, but I think because I think a lot of failure can be prevented if you are looking ahead 
And that's also a leadership capability is to be able to see what's coming down the pipeline, whether it's with recruiting and teams or acquisition and managing your funnel or those sorts of things. So I think a lot of failure can be prevented by looking ahead, like by playing on multiple chessboards, sort of, so to speak. But then when failure comes, like learning from it and saying, you know, what went right, what went wrong and why, and, and try not to re- repeat it again, obviously allowing yourself to make some mistakes. I always say with my teams, if we're not making mistakes, we're not moving fast enough. So if you're making no mistakes and that, that holds true in credit, it holds true in a lot of stuff. If you're, if you're not making mistakes, you're, you're not moving fast enough. You're not taking enough risk. Um, you know, my, my grandfather was very successful in business. And he, he said, if you're right, 51% of the time, you're going to do well. I, I think that's a bit extreme, but um, on balance, you know, you need to be right more than you're wrong, but if you're not wrong, you're not making, you're not moving fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so often when we're wrong, we can mitigate situations too to sort of make it not, so, not as painful. So that's one of the reasons why that percent might work, right? Okay. Work a little harder on that, still make it work, you know, but, but yeah, keep it moving. And what about, yeah. Yeah, what about habits, Bruce? Like, what sort of habits would a you know young leader want to steal from you? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty organized. I mean, I think if you are now again, you're going to be far more digital natives than I am. But if you look at my desk, you'll see a bunch of post-it notes. I have my personal to-do list, my work to-do list, long-term and short-term. Um, so I think staying organized is is absolutely key. You know, I think everybody the overplayed TikTok video whatever, of people that make their better, more successful. My wife would tell you that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> um, or maybe that's why my one business failed. I don't know. Cause I didn't make my bed, but um, I think staying organized is, is key and getting some balance. I mean, as much as I say, I'm not great at work-life balance. You do need to make sure you do get some time away and some downtime. That's one I need to work at and need to stay conscious of and focused on. Um, ethics. Ethics is another one. Um, you know, I I was raised in a very ethical home and take a very strong view of ethics. One of the things I've really learned since I've come back to Canada, actually, the number of people I have encountered in my startup life that have connections to me from decades ago. Chris, you're one of them. But like I, I was pitching to a guy that was running a credit union in northern Alberta. I worked with him in 1990 people like that was just random. Like what's the chance that that happens all the time. So, you know, I I do worry about, you know, if you get to the stage that all of your guys are at and and they're ethically not on the same page, can you actually teach that? But I think that is absolutely critical and you need to understand that, you know, what you do today will come back a year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, hard to imagine 30 years from now for everybody on the call. But I run into people constantly that are helpful to me that will that are engaged. Why? Because they have good memories of what we did 20, 30, 40 years ago. So yeah, most of the stuff comes back to roost. And I would pay a heavy attention to that ethical piece. We we sh- we share that in our training and we share those links. And uh it's just so true. It's amazing. You know, how is that possible? And it's but it's just so true. The world is really small, especially operating at the types of levels that we we do. You know, the Canadian business community, not all that big, right? And the people who get to the top, you know, and or, you know, just not necessarily the top, 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 but the top near the, you know, it's like there's 
They're, and then they're just one connection. One of the cool things is LinkedIn. You just see how they're just one, two connections away. So it's like, oh, what's yeah. that Bruce Hodges like? What's that Chris Thompson yeah. like? It's really difficult uh, to, to, you know, if you're not, if you're not what you want to be, uh, not that word getting out in the world the way it's set up. You know, I think I think in the past it was probably easier to be a slime ball uh, just because it, the, the word didn't spread as fast. But now it's yeah. it's just. Yeah. And unfortunately, success isn't perfectly correlated with ethics. So nope. all of you meet lots of people or know lots of people that are dishonest, that cheat, that do all kinds of stuff. And many of them will be successful. Many of them will hone their skills here probably too. Yeah. And they will rise to the top. Don't let that get you down. You've got to march to your own drum. You know, some I know people that have watched their parents and don't think their parents are ethical. You don't have to march to that drum either. You know, it, you got to chart your own course, but uh, would strongly endorse people take a hard look at that. Yeah. And so before my final question, anything else you'd like to share with our young leaders? No, I mean, have fun with it. I mean, I think you're going to be you're going to be nervous. You're going to be you're going to have screw ups. You're going to be stressed. You're going to have celebrations and excitement and just enjoy it and enjoy the ride. I mean, you'll be one before you know it, you'll wake up, you'll be an old fart like Chris and I, and you'll be looking back um, on a podcast talking about when you did it. Hard to imagine now. I mean, no, we did podcasts weren't even a thing then. So nor was the internet. So, <laughs> but uh, so I wonder what the world will look like when these, all of you are, uh, are in our situation, but yeah, just have fun with it. I mean, obviously you're listening to this year. I assume most everybody's signed on and, and raring to go. Don't stop doing your schoolwork either, but start getting prioritization and start getting your leads and 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 get going and uh, yeah, just have fun with it. I would I would love to go back and and do what I did and uh, and do it again and obviously do things different and better and more and and you name it. But uh, I don't think Chris is going to hire me back as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would I would totally I would totally just up to bigger stuff. But trust me, Bruce, we like sign you on. Like that, sign you on. Like that. <laughs> Like that movie, we interned. Like, yes, oh. exactly. You're a winner, Bruce. My money's on you. <laughs> so, final question: When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Driven, ethical, passionate, great with people, uh, willing to take some risks, and of course, graduating from the student works program. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> Well, that's great. Well, well, Bruce, uh, thank you so much for for giving us an hour of your very valuable and also jam time. Um, and uh, just just again, so grateful to you. My pleasure. Anything I can do or if I can be helpful to uh, anybody on the call, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Hey, leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca 
www.ca.ca/apply, and I can't wait to see you on the other side.